When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. We are filling in for Mike Greenberg today. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can always give us a shout at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And Joe, we are in the midst of uh, SEC media days, and so we are going to get to that in just a moment. But I have to start with what's actually the most important thing going on here, which is why I'm a little thrown off. It's your mustache. What is happening around ESPN Radio? Because Peter Burns, I worked with him last week. He also has grown the stash. Randy Scott has grown the stash. If anybody's been watching SportsCenter, of course, he hosts around here on ESPN Radio as well. And now Joel Fortenbaugh is also host, or rocking the stash. What is, what is going on? I would start by saying when it comes to Randy Scott, that's more of a chocolate milk stain than it is a mustache, (laughs) but that's something to take up with him on the weekends. No, this was a joke. I was on uh, vacation for two weeks. I hate shaving. I have to shave every day. So on vacation, I'm not shaving at all. But then you get towards the end of vacation and your wife looks at you and you're going to dinner that night and she kind of gives you the look like, yeah, that it grows in patches, bro. It looks terrible. So I was going to shave to get ready for dinner, and I realized I have two young kids. They had never seen me with a stash or anything. So I just I rocked it. Everyone laughed, and then I continued it on. And now it basically is just defiance because everywhere I go, people are like, oh, what is that? And it's like, you know what? That's another week to the total. So we're just tacking on the weeks as <laughs> so the people So I just added to it. You just added to it. Congratulations. Oh, no. I think there are people out there that would be happy that you did that. Thank you, Amber. Well, I'm sorry, America. Uh, you can check out his stash and all of its glory on the Daily Wager and across all ESPN platforms. But I mentioned it is the second day of SEC Media Days. And we have, of course, numerous topics uh, at SEC Media Days. Conference realignment. We will be getting into that throughout this show today. And, oh, by the way, don't forget, this is the conference, Joe, that, you know, won the national championship. And then there's that whole other team, Nick Saban's team, that actually won the conference. So there's actually some football to be discussed here at SEC Media Days. But that's not the overarching topic by any means uh also name and image and likeness has made an appearance and that has given us this beautiful sound from lane kiffin lane kiffin never shies away from a mic and here is the head coach of ole miss well the first question is the keys to nil and how do you do well at that you have really good boosters that's how you do well at it so um i'll say what other people don't say as you know so it's like a payroll You know, in baseball, what teams win over a long period of time? Teams that have high payrolls and can pay players a lot. So um, we're in a situation not any different than that, which is what I'm not saying I didn't. I'm sure other people said it. I said it day one, you legalize cheating. And so get ready for the people that have the most money to get the best players. And now you have it. So it is what it is. And as far as a general manager to manage that, we aren't allowed in the current system to manage what they make. So, um, so there isn't, well, we're not there yet. And I don't know that we ever will be. That's just what I said it should be because that's what any other, you know, professional sports, which is what we are now, 
does. I think that's the first time you've heard that sound. What is your reaction to everything that Lane Kiffin just said? I think it hit the nail on the head with just about everything. You know, any business, any entity that's in its infancy, like NIL is, is going to come out big, and then you're going to try to figure out where all the problems are. And there are going to be a lot of problems because, again, this is in its infancy. So what's being identified right now by a lot of teams, especially a team like Ole Miss, is that we don't have the arsenal to keep up with everybody else. If you want us to win 10 or 11 games, we need more money. That's an obvious one. Right out of the gate, everyone is very much aware. He who controls the gold makes the rules. Or he who has the gold makes the rules, I believe, is the, um, is the phrase. So the most money is going to get it done. But now we're starting to peel back a couple other things here. And I think there were two interesting points Kiffin made. Number one, the idea of the general manager. Because that's what he's insinuating and that's what's going to happen. Right now you have boosters going after the top recruits. They're the ones making the decisions. They're paying them. They're bringing them to the school. But what if it, the kid doesn't fit the system? What if the coach doesn't end up playing the kid? The booster's going to get upset. Boosters ultimately are going to want returns on their investments. That's how they became rich in the first place, by being smart with their money. So at some point, they're going to realize they're spending money on players that aren't necessarily getting the run they believe they should be getting on the roster. And that is where the boosters and the coaching staff are going to need to come together and say, we need to figure this out. We need your money, boosters, but we need your expertise, head coach, and that's what's going to lead to a general manager, right? And then he's also basically getting to the point with the salary cap where they want a situation where certain teams can't spend too much. Well, good luck with that because this is what happens in baseball for the most part. The teams with the most money, Dodgers, Yankees, they go out and spend and they put themselves in contention every single year. I don't know if a salary cap's coming, but I do think the idea of a general manager is going to happen sooner rather than later because boosters are not going to want to spend this type of cash and not get a great return on their investment, Amber. Now, this conversation about, hey, the most money is going to get the best recruits sort of ignores the fact that I'm not sure it was so different before name, image, and likeness, right? I mean, let's be real about that. Let's look at the universities that are benefiting the most off their pools of boosters that are paying these players, which is what has ended up happening here. It tend to be the same universities that already had maybe the deep pockets or were really good at recruiting. So one could point that out. But what has happened with name, image, and likeness is at its core, Joe, it sounds great in theory, and I think we all believe that this should have happened a very long time ago, where kids, of course, should be able to benefit off their own names, images, and likenesses like every other college student in the entire world is able to do, and there shouldn't be restrictions on that. And so, yes, go make the money from the local car wash who wants you to show up to an event, or go ahead and make the money off YouTube if you have that sort of following. Fine. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. The problem has arisen with booster collectives because now boosters have seen an opportunity here to sort of circumvent the pay-for-play system, where essentially we've installed a pay-for-play system. Now, it's not coming from the universities themselves, but it's still complicated because you are talking about booster collectives, which are pools of boosters that come together. They pool millions and millions and millions of dollars together, and then essentially you're just paying the players. And this has created this professional sport environment that the Lane Kiffins of the world can't compete with you've seen the texas a&ms of the world all of a sudden elevated because hey that booster collective and we know what that oil money is like in texas like that booster collective has very deep pockets and is serious but one of the reasons that nick saban was so upset at jimbo fisher was because for a moment there joe there was a law in the legislature in alabama that 
prohibited booster collectives. And this is, of course, state legislators also navigating for the first time name, image, and likeness. So they come up with their own state policies to try to implement something here and protect these student athletes. They, at the time, said no booster collectives. They didn't want boosters involved with name, image, and likeness to that degree. And it backfired big time on the University of Alabama, which was the frustration of Nick Saban because you know, because Texas didn't have the same law. So Texas A&M had the deep pockets. They had the booster collective. They start out recruiting Alabama. That's what ends up happening because of these booster collectives. Alabama state legislature very quickly gets rid of that law. And why? Yeah, because, by the way, hey, it was harming Nick Saban. Legislatures can work quickly if it's important. It always seems like some of these things take forever. Not really. When that was the top priority in Alabama, they got that done relatively quickly, Amber Wilson. Absolutely. And so now state by state, the laws are different. University by university, the rules, the bylaws can be different. Some universities allow boosters to get involved, pay players in name, image, and likeness. Other ones don't. And so now it's kind of the wild, wild rest right now, which is why you hear these stories about certain people within these power conferences trying to get the federal government involved because they're so desperate for some sort of overarching rules that just kind of level the playing field once again. But again, Joe, the reality of it, the, level, the playing field was never level. Yeah, ultimately, is this going to change anything? It changes a lot for the players, but the reality is college football is generally three teams at the top, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then there might be another team that tries to work its way into the top four, and then maybe Georgia would come down, but LSU would come up. Maybe USC is going to get better, and then Ohio State takes a step back. But regardless, we have two to three teams that are always going to sit in tier one above everybody else, and then there's a fight for the scraps. I mean, maybe this will reposition some of that, but ultimately we're going to be in the same system where there's a top tier and then everybody else. Which is kind of like the system that we've always been in. So there's plenty more coming out of SEC Media Days that we will get into over the next couple hours here. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Joe Fortenbaugh. But coming up next, we transition to the NFL. We are in the midst of our ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days. And today we'll be unpacking the Eagles and the Cowboys for you. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Tuesday on Burnt Hunt, NFL Two-A-Days continue as we focus on the Eagles and the Cowboys, plus all the buzz from Major League Baseball's All-Star Game in L.A. That's Burnt Hunt, 12 o'clock Eastern, on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. The Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, is this guy good? Is he really good? Or is he one of those five or six guys that can completely carry our football team? I think this is really the season that we start to kind of get that answer. Inconsistent production from Cooper. Declining target share. And, and most importantly for Dallas, an area where they have a ton of depth. CeeDee Lamb is their number one wide receiver. McCarthy, he did struggle last year. I think everybody kind of views him as coaching for his job. Anything short of a Super Bowl is unacceptable for them at this point. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This is Greeny, Amber Wilson, and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. You can always follow us on Twitter at Amber W Sports at Joe Fortenbaugh. So, Joe, we are in the midst. You heard it there on the rejoin of our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days, where you break down two teams each and every day. So, in just moments, we will be breaking down the Eagles and the Cowboys as part of our ESPN Radio Two-A-Days. But let's bring in some help for our NFL conversation and for all things NFL. Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL analyst, joins us. And Diana, before I get to our two-a-day teams for today, I was on air yesterday with Courtney Cronin, and she kept floating out the idea that the Browns, there's this report out there that the Browns from Mary Kay Cabot are going to be looking for a backup quarterback to Jacoby Brissett. But Courtney kept bringing up that the Browns should go after Jimmy Garoppolo. Is there any chance of that happening? What is the latest on Jimmy G? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great theory, and I've, I've heard a couple really smart NFL people talk about that as an idea. I haven't heard it from San Francisco side of it or even from the Cleveland Browns side as an option for them as, as a player that they're interested in. Um, you know, so we'll see if that evolves once we find out how, uh, how long the suspension is going to be. But, you know, I understand Courtney's uh, thought on it and probably why she even thinks it's a good option um, because of what Jimmy can do with the run game they have in Cleveland and really the, the rest of that roster. I think Jimmy could actually have some success there with, with Kevin Stefanski, but uh, again, I, it's never come up in any conversations before when I've talked to teams about Jimmy G. And, and in terms of what we're going to see and when we'll see Jimmy get moved, you know, the fact that he's throwing and he's getting healthier, because that's really been the big question mark with these teams going back to early in the year when, when you know, teams I was talking to that had, let's just call it um, maybe some flirty conversations with the Niners about possibly trading for him, it all changed once the shoulder surgery was, was revealed. So here we are, right? So uh, we got to basically just wait to see what happens over the next few weeks with camp. Now we're back in session. And, and you know, unfortunately, if we see an injury, I think we're going to see Jimmy G get moved. To the NFC East, where the Dallas Cowboys are once again the favorite to win the division. 12 wins last year, but Amari Cooper's gone on offense. Randy Gregory's gone on defense. Coaching staff largely intact. Should we believe that this is a better iteration of the Dallas Cowboys this year or a worse iteration of the Dallas Cowboys? You know, I don't know if they're better because, you know, you look at how many games they won last year and, and it's it's actually more than I think a lot of people realize. And, and they were able to, to have a pretty good season. Um, the only reason why I would give, if someone was to say, I think the Dallas Cowboys are, are, are definitely better this year. Um, it's probably because they believe in Dak Prescott because they believe in the fact that Dak has had an off season where he's healthy. There's a big difference between having an off season where you're rehabbing your leg while also going through your football motions and, you know, just all the things that you need to do to prepare for this season. And Dak told me actually recently that that, that was difficult for him. That was a really big challenge last year was coming into the season, having to balance both those things. But now it's all about football getting to know the guys, you know, so many players I talked to in the off season, especially the last, I'd say probably like three to four weeks, they, they don't ever underplay the importance of just spending time together 
and getting to know guys. It, it really changes their dynamic, the relationships, um, the locker room. So Dak has spent a lot of time with his, with, with his teammates in, in the last few weeks, just getting to know them, the young rookies, uh, knowing, look, Amari Cooper's not there. We know that's a, that's a big loss. And, you know, Tony Romo, who we know is still plugged into Dallas and, you know, still chats with Stephen Jones and they have a great relationship, sort of floated it out there recently out in Tahoe. Uh, where he was playing golf, that, you know, maybe the Dallas Cowboys are going to try to run it back to 2016, 2017, when, you know, you know you, when you think about 2016, that's Zeke's first year, right? That's his rookie season where he was phenomenal, and he's not the same guy, right? So he had those four great years, two kind of on the decline here. But they've got Tony Pollard, right? So between both these kind of guys, you got a power back in Zeke. you got, you know, a speedy, fast pass catcher back in, in Pollard who, who really can make a difference. I think with both of them together, they can really help replace some of the loss that we're going to see with Amari Cooper. But I just have questions about their O-line. That, that to me, is always going to be the big question mark to start the season because we know when their offensive line is good, the Dallas Cowboys are good. But they've got these injuries and these things floating around that we're not too sure of just yet. So we'll have to wait and see. But But, but for now... Um, I got the Eagles winning the division. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Well, I was just going to ask you about this division because in the past, Diana, it's been kind of a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys are going to take this division. The Eagles improved this offseason. Even Washington did what it could to improve this offseason. How much of a threat is this division to the Dallas Cowboys now? My goodness, if Jalen Hurts could just be good. I'm not even telling you he needs to be phenomenal. Just be good. Uh, you know, I recently spoke to Jason Kelsey about about his young quarterback. And, and you know, Kelsey's been doing this, you guys know, for, for, for years. And he's a, he's a vet and, and possibly playing in his last season. We don't know. He wouldn't tell me if he was going to retire. But we know what's coming. And, you know, Jay even said he's like, he is so much better than what people give him credit for. But he just needs to take the step forward. You know, Howie Rosen, the GM in Philly, really built a phenomenal roster. Their lines on offense and on defense, you know, they're the best in the division. They're, you know, they're getting older, yes, but they're so good. And now, obviously, with the uh, addition of A.J. Brown coming out of Nashville, you know, I I don't think I need to tell the listeners here how great A.J. Brown is, we all know. Um, So they, they have the parts to challenge the Cowboys. It's just... It's going to be the quarterback, and I do think it's kind of interesting looking at the Cowboys where, you know, yes, you're going to say it's going to come down to Dak, but Dak really has to step it up and be a star 
I think, for the Dallas Cowboys to be able to beat the Eagles, where I think the Eagles don't need Jalen Hurts to be the, the, the driver of the bus, the, the, the superstar. They just need him to be solid. And I think that the Eagles will be able to win. And, you know, as for, for the commanders, you know, they, they, they've got pieces. I'm just I'm not ready to go all in on Carson Wentz just yet. I think it's going to be a bit of a transition for him. It's been a tough two years for him. Um, so, so for now, I, it's really going to come down, in my opinion, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I think for the most part, a lot of people look at the NFC East and they say what you're saying, Eagles versus Cowboys, and then there's not a lot of optimism for the other teams. It's viewed as one of the weaker divisions in football, but ultimately, based on what we saw last season versus this season, Brian Dable now with the Giants, Wentz probably an upgrade at quarterback in Washington. Is the division overall stronger than we've seen in maybe the last couple of years? It's improved. It's definitely not looked down upon or, or joked about like he, like we always do. I think it's such it's such a low hanging fruit for us, right? That we always just make fun of him, and, and we'll see what Dable's going to do. I covered Brian for years, and and then obviously with the Buffalo Bills the last few seasons with Josh Allen, and you know Josh. When you talk to Josh about Dable, he'll he'll spend about thirty minutes chewing your ear off about how great Brian is as a coach, and I've already seen a difference in New York with, with Dable taking over just from his experience where he's been um, and, and what he's able to bring in. And the thing that, that separates Dable from, from all the other, let's just say disciples of the Belichick way is he is himself. He, he instills a lot of the same type um, of foundational football ways but 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 Dable is true to who he is and he's really mixing everything he's learned from Buffalo Alabama uh New England New York with the Jets like he's been everywhere so he's got a little taste of all different styles and he just is true to who he is and he connects with these quarterbacks and look I'm not going to say Daniel Jones is Josh Allen he's not but you go back and listen to some of the things we talked about with Josh Allen a few years ago before Dable got there compared to where Josh is now and you saw significant improvements. And those are some of the things they're hoping to bring to Daniel Jones. I'm proud of us for talking to little Giants when we're having the NFC East conversation. I feel like they get lost in the wayside there when you have that conversation. Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter. Diana, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson filling in here on Greeny. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive. Here it is. You can say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See, just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or at Progressive.com. So we are in the midst of our ESPN NFL Radio two-a-days. We break down two teams for you each and every day. You heard it there in our interview with Diana. We are obviously breaking down the Eagles and the Cowboys today. Joe Fortenbaugh is one of our gambling experts here at ESPN. And so you can catch him on all things daily wager across ESPN platforms. And so, Joe, I do want to ask you about the win totals for these two teams. The Cowboys, let's start with America's team. Ten and a half. Do you like where that line is sitting right now? I do not. Oh uh, Well, actually, I should rephrase that. I do if I'm going to bet the under on the 10.5 wins because that's what I would do there. I don't think it's a great bet given all the options that are on the board. I'm not high on the Cowboys at all this season. I think the biggest advantage the Cowboys have is that they play in a division that really can't seem to figure it out. Washington is embroiled in controversy and dysfunction at every turn every year. The New York Giants have just fallen so far since that run in the late aughts 
early teens, if that's what we call those decades, that there's poor management, poor decisions with personnel, poor contracts, but they're working towards being better. The Eagles have a quarterback problem, whether Dan Orlovsky wants to admit it or not. As an Eagle fan, I can tell you flat out, Hertz is not the guy. Hard worker, good leader, good locker room guy. He is not going to get you to the next level. Really? That you are already out. Well, this is the thing with Philadelphia. All right. And I know we're going to get to them in a second, but I'll just throw this one note on them. The Eagles were 0-6 against playoff teams last year not including the playoff game they played where they got blown out in Tampa, so that'd make them 0-7. They didn't beat anyone good because they're not that good. They've got lots of talent. They've got some upside. Hertz is going to be the guy that holds them back. In that game against Tampa, he could not get anything going. In two games against the Giants, that one game that was incredibly crucial for them if they were going to make a run at the playoffs, he had, what, four or five turnovers? He was just a mess in that game. The upside isn't as high as the seal or as, as the floor is low. You can get some really bad games, but you won't get elite games and you won't get them against good competition. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. We'll see. But when it comes to the Cowboys, that's their biggest advantage. You move them to the AFC West, they're probably the worst team in that division. Maybe you could make the case that they're better than the Raiders, but I think the Raiders are on the way up, all the way around. Dallas wins 12 games last year, but of those 12 wins, only two came against playoff teams. You know who those two wins were against? Philadelphia and Philadelphia. We just laid it out. They've got coaching issues with Mike McCarthy and the way he manages games late. They lost Amari Cooper on offense, who say what you want. He doesn't put up the monster numbers at wide receiver, but he was Dak's security blanket. When you look at those red zone stats, Amari Cooper was the guy. And then there's the metrics you can point to. Dallas was number one in the NFL in turnover differential last year. There is no stat anywhere that predicts wins and losses more than turnover differential. If you are number one in the NFL in turnover differential one year, you're not going to be number one the next year. It is going to regress, and that is going to cost you wins. The schedule isn't brutal, but I'd play under 10.5 wins. I don't have very high expectations for this team, Amber. I don't know if I agree with you about the schedule not being brutal. I mean, it's not the worst schedule by any means, and you mentioned they're the weakness of that division. But you are talking about matchups against multiple Super Bowl contenders, right? I mean, you've got Tampa, you've got Cincy, you've got the Rams, you've got Green Bay, you've got Indy, you've got Tennessee on this schedule. And the first four games at home, that might be the saving grace uh, for the Dallas Cowboys in that respect. But you're not giving any credence, it doesn't sound like, to Dak coming into the season healthy, which you heard Diana just talk about, the healthiest maybe. He's been in the offseason for quite some time. It sounds like you're not terribly excited, although there's the McCarthy questions. It seems like you're not terribly excited about them being able to retain their coordinators, which was no easy feat, considering what we know that was like uh, during this past coaching carousel. So you seem just generally pretty down on the Dallas Cowboys. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I can really argue otherwise. I mean, I'm not very high on them this season either. There just feels like there's something missing from this Cowboys team. I'm not down on Prescott. I think Prescott's a good quarterback. I just think he's not in a better situation than he was last year. Yes, Diane is right. He's more healthy. So you can give him that. But his offensive line isn't as good. Lael Collins isn't there anymore. And all those guys that were great on that offensive line, they're either gone or they're getting older or their games are falling off a little bit. Zeke Elliott, the, the biggest mystery in Dallas is... Why do you continue to feed Zeke Elliott the ball over Tony Pollard when he's not anywhere near as good as Tony Pollard? Zeke Elliott was good. He's not anymore. He didn't really take care of himself all that well. And the opposition has banged him up over years and years of not only running the ball, but catching it. 
Tony Pollard is the better option. The problem is that because the Cowboys went out of their way to give Elliott a horrible contract, they feel like they're paying him that much money, so he's got to be the featured guy. So every time you're giving him the ball over Tony Pollard, you're doing your offense a disservice. That's a problem. The offensive line stepping back, like I just mentioned, is a problem. Losing Amari Cooper is a problem. On defense, you ranked 18th in opponent yards per play, and you lost one of your better pass rushers in Randy Gregory. There's not a lot to get excited about for me. This team in the regular season, they find ways to win games, but whenever you stack them up against better competition, they find a way to fall on their face. Case in point, last year, the opening round against the Niners, when San Francisco came in and beat them in their home gym, even after Garoppolo injured his shoulder in the first half and couldn't do anything in the second half of that game so let's move on to your philadelphia eagles for a moment there uh, nine wins is where the win total is listed are you taking the over or under i don't really like the win total for philly but i think what what diana said about winning the division there's some intrigue based on the price they're plus 185 to win the division that means you invest a hundred dollars if they win the division you get 185 in profit coming back that also implies a 35 percent chance So do we think Philadelphia has a better than 35% chance of winning the division? If the answer to that question is yes, make the bet. If the answer is no, don't make the bet. It's as simple as that. I think they have a better than 35% chance. But again, there are some major issues here. This is a team that was 0-6 against playoff teams last year. So when they stacked up against better competition, they didn't win those games. But then on the plus side, they opened the year 3-6. They finished 6-2. It was a rookie head coach, a younger quarterback. So you like to see that they get better as the season goes on. You had A.J. Brown at wide receiver. Jordan Davis in the draft on the defensive line next to Fletcher Cox. It's going to be tough to run against these guys. James Bradbury to help beef up the secondary. I think the coaching will be better. I think the quarterback play should be a little bit better. The roster's better. This should be a team that makes a serious threat, at least more than 35% in terms of their chance of winning the division. So that's a bet I like. But again, they're not without their issues, especially if Hertz can't become more consistent at a higher level on a regular basis. They might have the best O-line in football. That certainly helps out Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, I mean, Devontae Smith coming off of a good rookie season, so he might take another leap forward this season. You mentioned the A.J. Brown addition. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that Jalen Hurts is set up for success, even though it appears that you don't believe that he's going to have that success. And, Joe, the only thing I would say is it's not that I think Jalen Hurts is necessarily going to turn into Tom Brady anytime soon, right? But I think this idea sometimes that you have to have, like, this elite, elite caliber quarterback in order to be competitive or even be a Super Bowl contender sometimes is overstated if you have completely stacked roster in every way around him. And it does feel like to me this Philadelphia Eagles roster is stacked. You won't need elite quarterback play to win lots of games if you have an elite defense and that quarterback protects the football. That's the most important thing. If the quarterback can at least protect the football, you lean on the running game, he makes some plays here and there, he won't need to be Patrick Mahomes. But you're going to need great defensive play. You might get a very solid defensive effort from the Eagles this year. The defense has a lot of talent. There's reason to believe they'll be good. But eventually when you get to that one marquee game where it's do or die in the playoffs, the quarterback might need to lead you down the field or he might need to have the game of his life. Joe Burrow was a guy who was able to pull that off not only in college but in the pros. Hertz has yet to show he can do that. I've seen him do it against bad teams. I have not seen him do it against good teams, and that's going to be the key for Philly if they want to take the next step. Hertz playing big in big games against elite competition. Playing big and and be able and a, able to run that offense, but we did see them go seven and three 
in their final 10 regular season games once they kind of went to a far more uh, reliance on their running game. And so some of this might be schematically how they're able to hide some of the shortcomings of Jalen Hurts. But that's one of those teams in the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I could, sure, they could be a Super Bowl contender if Hurts ends up exceeding expectations or they could end up being incredibly mediocre if Jalen Hurts ends up falling on his face. So it all comes down to the quarterback play, it sounds like. Real quickly, I know we're up against it. The rest of that division, since we keep mentioning the NFC East, do you have any belief here in the offseason moves of Washington or, or, heck, the Giants too? I think the Giants will be better. I don't think Daniel Jones could possibly be worse, and now he's finally going to get some competent quarterback coaching on his side, and I think that's going to make him better. They do have some weapons. Saquon Barkley is healthy. There's a lot to like about the offense. There's talent on defense as well. They have just been so poorly run under Dave Gettleman, who was their former general manager, uh, under Joe Judge as their head coach. They didn't stand a chance. If they have some organization right now where it looks like they are organized, they're going to be a better team. They were finding ways to lose games now they just might need to find ways to not lose games like not give these games away and they're going to compete and win more I think the Giants are the most intriguing team in the division this year to be honest with you not being able to be worse is a good way to set yourself up for success because there's only one way to go from here for the New York Giants Uh, coming up next we will transition to Major League Baseball Juan Soto won the home run derby coming off of him being able to turn down 440 million dollars that must be nice we will explain what this means next here on Greeny, but first a word from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is here for you and they're always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry along with 24-7 support, experienced staff and curbside pickup at over 250 local branches, and you can get free access to product specialists ready to help you track down hard-to-find items. Plus, Granger's commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people even safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways you could save. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 23 years old, Juan Soto is the youngest or the second youngest because he's 23 and 266 days old. So the second youngest player ever to win the home run derby. Also, 
the only player able to turn down $440 million and then immediately win the home run derby. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh, filling in for Mike Greenberg. Join Vlad Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, and the rest of the AL superstars as they take on Ronald Acuna Jr., Manny Machado, and the NL Stars. Coverage of the 2022 Major League Baseball All-Star Game begins tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio and on your ESPN app. So Joe Soto took it the way that it went. Round one, uh, 18 homers for Soto, defeated Ramirez. Then in round two, 16 homers. That was enough to get by Albert Pujols. And finals was Juan Soto defeating Julio Rodriguez, uh, 19 home runs to 18 home runs, respectively. I will be fully transparent. I was at a dinner last night. I did not get an opportunity to watch this live. You did, and you had an issue, and it's an issue that is actually very much affecting your world in the world of sports betting. Lucky for you, Amber Wilson, I'm a complete degenerate who watched every single home run and wagered on most of it throughout the course of the process. Uh, Multiple issues here. One issue, believe it or not, is I think a common one amongst people. I'm not sure how the guy who hit 81 home runs lost to the guy who hit 63 home runs in what we call a home run derby, where the only criteria is to hit a lot of home runs. Like, here's the contest. Hit as many as you can. Okay, well, I had 18 more than that guy. Sorry, you lost to him. I think there's a bit of a problem there. Julio Rodriguez was the story last night, despite the fact that Juan Soto ended up winning that thing. But kudos to Soto. He had the ultimate draw. The ultimate draw. He got Jose Ramirez in the opening round. Ramirez is a switch hitter. Historically, switch hitters have not fared well in the Derby, and we saw that again last night. Only one switch hitter in the history of the Derby has gone on to win. In round two, he draws Albert Pujols at 42 years old because Kyle Schwarber, the MLB home run leader at 29, couldn't figure out how to get past the old geezer. So so Pujols advances. It's a layup for Soto in the second round, and then he draws Rodriguez in the final, who had already gassed out after hitting 60-plus homers, plus the fact that he had to go first, meaning Soto knew exactly what number he had to get to. Sometimes it's all about the luck of the draw. And while Soto was awesome, he had the perfect draw and the perfect setup last night. But to another point on this, maybe this is a gripe for the gamblers, but the scoring system needs to be improved because there were some noticeable mistakes last night. Pujols and Schwarber went against each other in the opening round. They tied and then went into a swing-off. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, in the swing-off, Schwarber didn't get one of his home runs counted. And if it had counted, they would have tied in advance to another swing-off. So he got jobbed on that. And in addition, one of Pujols' homers counted, and it came after the, the, the clock had run down. But no one does anything about that. And we saw that later in the finals with Juan Soto, his last home run, before he got the extra bonus minute against Rodriguez. That counted even though it was like six seconds after the time had worn out. So I know that this is more of a fun event, but the fact that they do allow gambling on this and for the second year in a row we're having issues simply keeping track of how many home runs are hit or whether or not they're legitimate, I think that's going to start raising some eyebrows in the future. Juan Soto now has a hardware uh, because for the first time they had that home run derby chain. Swirsky crystals, uh, not actual diamonds, but don't worry, Juan, <laughs> when you do go ahead and agree to a $400 plus million contract, because at some point here that day is coming, you can go ahead and trade out the crystals for the diamonds. Bad Bunny put the chain on Juan Soto. For, so there was that moment last that night cool. as well. But I, does, does anybody care beyond gamblers? And I say that with all due respect to you, Joe Ford. And obviously this is your world and it means a whole lot. I just wonder 
is the average person, like, would you have cared as much about the scoring system had it not been for the wagers? Or do you think it's actually egregious enough in terms of these errors where it's actually taking away from the experience for the the layman, the regular fan who's not necessarily making wagers? No, it doesn't matter at all. It's only for those who have skin in the game. That's it. If you're in some sort of pool where everyone draws a name out of a hat and then the winner collects all the cash or you're betting on it, those are the people who are going to be upset. Outside of that, nobody cares. Nobody's watching this like the NFL to see if a one one hundredth of an inch of a cleat went out of bounds, making it an incomplete pass, right? Or did he control the pass through contact? Things like that. Did he make a football move? No one cares. The fact that that last Soto home run uh, in the in regulation in the final round came like six seconds after the clock had worn out. The broadcast crew is not talking about it. I don't think any of the fans in attendance want it. They just want to see home runs. Mm-hmm. The more home runs, the better. So ultimately. No, unless there's people with skin in the game, everybody else I don't think could care less. And I don't think that's why there's any sort of like push to get this corrected because we had the same issue last year in Colorado. Nothing changed between last year and this year. And no one's really calling for it except a very small contingent of people who wager money on these things. Well, I don't know if that's a small contingent of people. And certainly that contingent of people continues to grow in size. So at some point here, uh, this may become a much louder story than it currently is. But you're right. Most people are tuning in to watch these dudes smash baseballs. And that's exactly what they did. And then Juan Soto comes in, does that, kind of shows the whole world, right? Hey, if the Nationals are going to trade me after turning down $440 million over 15 years, then this is what every other executive in baseball should be salivating over because there should be a huge market for him based on also him making his mark. So I thought that was sort of brilliant for him to take that opportunity. It's why a lot of people felt like Aaron Judge should have done it, should have been in it in a contract year. Like, take that opportunity, go out there. Now, I understand these players are worried about injury, even though it's like batting practice. Soda wasn't worried about injury. That man turned out $440 million and went out there and won the home run derby. So I thought that portion of this story was very, very cool. Coming up next, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have reportedly ended their talks. This is Greeny. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. You could trade Westbrook for a couple or three guys because that way that team dealing you the other guys gets out of their contracts. This and more. Wednesday morning at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in on Greeny. And Joe, we were just talking about how Juan Soto, he turns down 15 years, $440 million. I mean, must be nice, right? To be able to turn down $440 million. The largest contract in MLB history when you look at it from a lump sum perspective. Uh, Not quite the same when you break it down annually. Probably the problem there for Juan Soto. So he turns down that money, 23 years old, then goes out and shows the world that he can smash baseball 
Balls wins the home run derby. And I brought up that it's a shame that Aaron Judge kind of didn't make that same decision in a contract year because you're a home run leader. Yes, he's doing it in the regular season fine, but it would have been so much fun to see him out there. And this whole idea to me that these guys are so scared of injury. I mean, if anybody should have been scared of injury, it should have also been the guy who just turned down $440 million in 15 years worth of security. He didn't seem worried about it. I mean, it's batting practice. Yeah, I think there's three reasons why a guy like Judge turned it down. Number one, he's done it already in 2017. So I think he's got that excuse where you can say, look, I did this once. I'm good. I enjoyed the experience. I'm not necessarily interested in doing it again. That's number one. Number two, something that a lot of people don't realize, this event has the potential to mess with your swing. There are guys who have participated in the home run derby, come out of the derby in the second half of the season, and immediately gone into slumps because their swing is all out of whack because they spent some time training to launch home runs in a contest-based platform rather than what they would do against Major League Baseball hitting, or pitching, I should say. So there is a concern there. And number three, it's one you hit on, it's ego. You don't want to get embarrassed. How do you think Kyle Schwarber feels today? He leads Major League Baseball with 29 home runs. He had a layup in the first round against Albert Pujols, and he couldn't get by him. Like, Mm -hmm. clearly, you're going to go on social media and see yourself getting blasted. But I agree to your point. Go do it if you can. Go do it if the ego is not going to get in the way. Mike Trout has never done this. Mike Trout is supposed to be the face of baseball. Nobody knows what Mike Trout sounds like because you never hear Mike Trout behind a microphone. Like, that's not good for the sport. Most people Pete don't know Alonso, what Mike Trout looks like, let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. Pete uh, Alonso, when... like, people know Pete Alonso from this event, and they're getting yeah. to know Julio Rodriguez, True. which is huge for the Pacific Northwest. Yes, we always talk about Aaron Judge. Well, is he the face of baseball now? Is he going to be the next face of baseball? And in order to be the face of an entire sport, you do have to put yourself out there in those moments. Now, I agree with you. The real reason he didn't participate in this home run derby is because he felt like there was no upside. If he went out and he won, we'd be like, okay, yeah, he's been smashing it this season, best season of his career, expected. If he went out and he lost, it would be embarrassing and embarrassing in a contract year. I think that's what these guys, and all these sports, the slam dunk contest, same thing in the NBA. Like, that's why LeBron won't participate. I don't believe this nonsense about the injuries. I think think it's all ego when it comes to these contests.